0: We're in Matthew chapter four. Um, this is going to be the last uh, foray into that for a bit. So if you have your Bible with you, if you have an electronic device that you need to to crank up, it's time to find it. Find that that passage on your on your device. While you while you are tracking that down, one other thing. So keep looking for Matthew chapter four. We're going to be near the end of the chapter. Um, I wanted to ask. Uh, Al and Lou Bernice to stand up. This is Al and Lou, if you haven't met them. Al on the right, Lou on the left. Um, Al and Lou Bernice, uh, a few months ago, a year ago, something like that, took over a very important team within our church. Um, And uh, part of the reason we really wanted them to be leading this and we thought of them as as a very important part of it is because Al and Lou do something very special in our congregation. Some of you probably experienced it today. Um, Al and Luce seek out people they haven't met before. They try to get to know them a little bit, try to introduce themselves, get to know their names. And they try to connect them in the church, which is a a tremendous gift to the congregation. Uh, And so they are are, uh, uh, to be lauded, applauded, and thanked. And um, I just wanted to, to have you stand up and do that. But don't sit down. If you are a greeter in our church, if you're one of the people who greets in our church, would you stand up with them? Somebody's going to have to be first. There we go. I know there are more of you. They're greeting. <laughs> yeah, they're greeting. So we're going to keep doing this about once a month. Stay standing. If you're, if you're a greeter, if you remain standing. Would you, if you're near them, would you reach out? Place your hand on them. And let's pray. Again, Lord, we bow before you and we recognize the things that we have are broken and weak, and unable to be successful in the kingdom. But you gift us and you bless us. And these folks that are standing represent a group that sometimes is the first contact a person has with a Christian when they come through the door of the church. We ask that you would pour out a special blessing on them. We ask that from week to week when they stand there in the entryway of the church and they shake hands and they try to remember new names and they try to remember old faces, I ask that they would have the enlightenment and direction of your spirit. I ask that the welcome they give would be the welcome from heaven. And then in all the ways that are possible, you might touch and bless and watch over them. I pray for your blessing upon their ministry, upon their spiritual life, and upon their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for being a part of our greeting family. Isn't it cool to be able to bless the people in our church who are doing stuff? I love the fact that we can just recognize that the blessings of the church are in the hands of the church. And to be able to actually physically do that is cool to me. I'm in Matthew chapter 4. I'm beginning at verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Otherwise, it would be kind of silly throwing nets in the sea for no reason. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. They were apparently a little rough on theirs. And he called on them, and immediately... They left the boat and their father and followed him. Christianity, the choices of Christians, the choices we make as followers of Jesus are not common sense choices. If you're waiting on your spiritual choice to make sense, to be a common sense choice, forget it it's not going to happen these are not common sense kinds of choices these are these are extrasensory these are spiritualized choices these are motivated by a place not within yourself but from outside they're motivated by the power and direction of God through the holy spirit into you they're not every day you can fit them all in a box, mark them 1 through 10, and check them off as you go along. They're not those kinds of choices. They're going to kind of blow you away a little bit. They're going to make you afraid a little bit. And if they're not making you a little bit afraid, I have to ask, are you making any? How risky was this moment for these guys? How risky was it? Peter and Andrew, and he said to them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. I don't think they'd ever heard of fishers of men before. Have you? Other than in the Bible, does anybody talk about fishers of men? No, no, not even Apple uses the term. They use the term evangelist for their salespeople, but they don't call them fishers of men because they're not. They're fishers of computer buyers. These people are after the hearts and lives of men and women every day. That's what people who follow after God are doing. They're they're trying to find somebody else to join them in following after God. He's going to make them fishers of men. And they immediately... Now get the word. They immediately left their nets. They immediately followed Him. They just got up and left. Left their stuff. Left their boat. Took off after Jesus. And then He moves on. He comes to James and John, their buddies... They know James and John. They have actually are partners in this fishing business. James and John are about a different project. Um, the net that you throw from the shore is a, is a round net with weights all around it and a rope tied to it. And you, you cast it out and it opens up and it drops in, hopefully over some fish. And it settles down around them and you drag the net across the bottom to the shore and therefore drag the fish up on the shore with the net. That's what Peter and, and Andrew are doing. James and John are in the boat, mending a net. It's a different kind of a net. It's a drag net. They would throw this one out. It's kind of a wide net. Typically drag it between two boats. And so when they were dragging this drag net, it would, they would tie it off between two boats, drop it in. The bottom of it was weighted, and it would be dragged in, and hopefully it would catch up with some fish. The fast swimming fish get away. These slow swimming fish get stuck in the net. So it's the real big fish you're catching. And as they dragged it in, they would then pull it up on, and the nets would get injured or get damaged and have to be mended. So they're in the boat, mending the net. James and John, he calls to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father. Do you think Zebedee said anything? Where are you guys going? We're not even done yet. You can't leave all of this work on me. Come on. You're not 12 anymore. You guys have to come out. You can't go play with your buddies. Stay until the job is done. At least stay till the end of the day. Help me get ready for tomorrow. Immediately they get up. They leave their father, and they leave the boat, and they follow Jesus. These decisions are not common sense decisions. What does common sense say? Peter and Andrew... Come with me. Follow me. Okay, hold on just a second. Let's get this, let us get this last net cleaned up, um, and we, we, we get these fish to market where it's just around the corner, and, uh, and, and get all this stuff taken home, and, and then we'll go. That, that's common sense, right? It seems reasonable. James, James and John, in there mending the net, they're actively doing something important to their livelihood and the livelihood of their father, mother, and family. And and logical, reasonable, wise says, let's finish what we're doing here. Let's get these nets ready. I mean, if we're going to go with you, let's leave our dad in a good place, right? Let's not leave our dad holding the bag here to mend the whole net today and then get this whole thing ready to go. And, you know, come on, let's, let's make this, let's, let's work this out. Let's not be, let's not be rash, but no. Neither of them makes the common sense decision. They just go with Jesus. Now, I do want to say this is not the first time they've seen Jesus. I know it's the first time in Matthew, but if you read the rest of the Gospels, you'll find they have had some interactions with Jesus prior to this. They have gotten to know Him. Jesus has spoken to them before. They're the ones who brought brothers and stuff to Him. John brings James. Andrew brings Peter. So there's some connection prior to this with them, and they've seen Jesus in action a little bit. They've heard John the Baptist say, this is the Son of God. So this is not new. The the, the, the seeing, the the interaction with Jesus isn't new. They may have already anticipated that this day would come. Anybody ever anticipate the call of God on your life and then ignore it? Have you ever felt like God was going to ask you to do something, and it just made you scared? You weren't really into it because you're like, okay... I know what you're going to ask. I don't want to do that. I'm not into it. No. Have you ever been? It, I don't, it happens to me. It's happened to me. And it happens to me. I didn't want to be a pastor. I told you that before. I had other plans. There are many people who make more money than pastors. I was looking for one of those jobs. And I had it all ready and planned out until God sort of, sort of kept pressuring me with the power of the Spirit. You know what that feels like? The Holy Spirit starts to feel weighty on you and and the same kind of thoughts keep rolling through your head. And you know these are not your thoughts because you've been trying to put them out of your head, right? You've been trying to ignore these things and not think about them and the Holy Spirit keeps bringing them up. Hey, uh, you know you should be a pastor. Well, yeah, yeah, right, sure, no, no. Thank you very much. I've seen what those guys do and don't want to do it. 60 hours a week for less money than, than the plumbers are making. No. Nope. And... And I have to be honest, that is flat where I was. It wasn't spiritual at all. Straight financial. And as I was having this conversation with God, people would come up to me. And they would say, have you considered being a pastor? Which is unfair. The Holy Spirit shouldn't do that to you. When you won't listen, he goes and talks to somebody who will listen and has them come and talk to you. And so person after person, probably half a dozen people, in the span of about six or eight months, came and said, do you want to be a pastor? You ought to consider being with you. Have you thought about being? I'm like, yeah, 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 thanks very much. Not my job, not my thing, No, not doing it. And I told people over and over again, these people, I think, all knew each other. Could the rumor just get around that I wasn't interested? And they would come. One after another. Then a stranger. I finally told God, look, all these people are nice and everything, but send me a stranger. Send me somebody who doesn't know me, which is a really dumb request. Send me somebody who doesn't actually know me to tell me that I th- they think I should be a pastor. And sure enough, he did that too. And finally, that was the point where I said, okay, this is legit. I still put my f- wet fleece, dry fleece thing out in front of him and said, you got to... <laughs> This is gonna this has to happen before I can do that. And I thought I was getting away with it too. I was like two weeks from college starting and I thought I'm in, it didn't happen. And it happened in spades. Boom. More than I had expected. And I said, Okay, I guess I'm in. That's how I went into pastoral ministry. Not immediately follow Jesus. Okay. I guess I'm in. I don't know what your plan is, but I'm getting on the ride. And then it starts climbing the mountain, you know, it's climbing. And all you know is it's scary till you get to the top, and it's scarier when you come down. Immediately they went and followed Jesus. What's happening in your life? What's the Spirit speaking to you about? Maybe it's today. Maybe you came in here today thinking you were just doing your thing. You were just coming. You were just going to, you know, check a box, went to church. And now I'm talking about what's some, something the Holy Spirit's been talking to you about. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been saying, hey, time to get your stuff together in this area of your life. Spiritually, You need to do this. You need to make some changes. You need to go about, uh, about some things differently. Maybe he's talking to you about your, your financial life or your, or your, uh, your, your uh, what is it? marital life. I couldn't think of the name. Maybe he's wanting to change something about the way you're going about your business. Maybe you're thinking about doing something stupid and this is God saying, Stop, stupid! Or stop stupid. Is there something God's been talking to you about? Because I think the Holy Spirit had been speaking to these guys and readying them for the immediately moment. You know what qualified them for this job? Surrender. They said, okay. That's it. You look, we, we've looked at these guys over the last few months. If, you missed it, if you've missed the beginning of this year, we've walked through the disciples and their lives. And you know what we found out about the disciples? They're pretty ordinary guys until Jesus got a hold of them. Nothing extraordinary about them until they say yes to Jesus. And once they say yes to Jesus, the doors blow off their life. It's like somebody hits the gas pedal and off they go, ripping down the street. Up to that point, they were just... Just casually strolling along and BAM! When Jesus got a hold of them, they were off. And life got exciting. And life got scary. And life got risky. And life got amazing. And they're famous. Bunch of nobodies from nowhere. And they're famous world over. For 2,000 years, they've been famous. Why? Simple. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm in. Immediately, immediately they get up. Here's what they, here's what they were risking. All of their relationships change after this. Nothing's the same. All of their family relationships, they're gone a lot of the time. They're like joining the military. They're gone for a long time, then they come back and they see their family. They're gone for a long time, they come back and they see their family. They wander all over their country. And some of the neighboring countries talking about Jesus. With Jesus. And then when Jesus' resurrection takes place all over the known Roman world, just talking about Jesus, all their relationships change. Their professions change. I'm going to make you fishers of men. When Jesus finds Peter and the disciples back fishing, He asks Peter, Do you love me more than these? We take that to mean, do you love me more than the other disciples? You can take it that way if you want, but I think he's really saying, do you love me more than nets and fishing and the sea and boats? Do you love me more than this stuff you've gone back to? He goes back to fishing. And I think Jesus is saying, do you love me more than fishing, buddy? Are you in all the way, or do you still have one leg in the boat? This is the one guy who had walked on water with Jesus. And... Paid the price, but he did it. Their identity changes. How much is your identity tied up in your job? If you're a retired person, how much was your identity uh, wrapped up in your job and when you kind of retired it was disorienting? When you retire, you're like, who am I now that I am not the electrician? Who am I now that I am not the engineer? Who am I I now that I'm not the doctor or the nurse or the butcher the baker or the candlestick maker? Who am I now that I don't have that title to throw out to people when they say, who are you, what do you do? Well, I'm retired. That's nice. How's that? One of my friends said, you better have a plan for your retirement not just a plan to retire, but a plan for what you're going to do in your retirement. Otherwise, you're going to be really bored. He said about half of his friends hate retirement. Because they didn't have a plan. They're not going on with their life. There's no, there's no after retirement, I'm going to attack this. I'm going to take on this role. I'm going to volunteer more at the church. I'm going to get, in go- get involved in some level of service like I've never done before. I'm going to travel the world building churches for Maranatha. I'm going to engage the young people of the church. I'm going to learn every name of every teenager who is in the body of Christ. And I'm going to pray for them every day. If you don't have a purpose post-retirement, you lose your identity. These guys were about to walk away from the jobs they understood, and they do it freely. Their livelihood is going away. We don't think about this very much. But these guys just put their bank accounts on hold. Nobody's given them money for following Jesus, as far as they can tell. There's no church support behind them. There's no regular offering schedule to get them a check. They just jump in. And they hope they can feed their family and their children and their wives. They hope they can help their dad when they're on the road. This is not the common sense choice. This is not the sort of thing that common sense says you should do. But Christian discipleship is not a common sense decision. If you came here today saying, i got boxes to check before I can surrender to this thing with Jesus, it's time to toss the boxes. It's not that you should do things foolishly. You should do things with full awareness. You should do with full engagement. But at the same time, recognize God is going to push you off the edge of where your boxes end. He's going to let you check your boxes and think you're in charge. But at some point, you're going to run out of boxes. And He's going to go, and I still want you to jump. This is not a common sense sort of process. Christian discipleship is not a common sense sort of decision. And it shouldn't be such a hard deal in our present world. Common sense is not as common as it used to be. So I, I think this might be easier now. <laughs> Ephesians chapter one, verse seventeen, it was on the screen at the beginning. I keep asking... This is Paul speaking to the Ephesians. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. Do you see that there are two? The spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I I want you to understand God and I want you to understand His call. I want you to have wisdom... And I want you to have revelation. You see, wisdom is a little easier to check boxes with. If you lean towards wisdom, you've got more boxes. And you hate having unchecked boxes. I, I stopped doing it, but I used to do... Um, I used to always give you notes to fill in the blanks um, in the church. Just so you could, you know, take notes. So you, those of you who get sleepy easy could, could have something to do in the church service. And And, and if I left a blank... If I skipped one, certain folks would be very disturbed by that. It wasn't like it was, you know, the revelation from heaven. It was my notes. I had written these things down. But if you, you had a blank that was open, it was like, ah, oh, I can't deal with that. You need to come tell me what goes in this blank. And, and frankly, there are times when I didn't know. <laughs> Confession is good for the soul. I'd have to go back and look at the notes that I have that have the blanks filled in. If you're leaning towards that's your side, if that's more of where, the, 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 where you're comfortable, then you're going to lean towards wanting all your boxes checked and all your blanks filled out. Okay? If you're more of a, of, a, of a just tell me, Lord, I don't want to know, I don't want a bunch of preparation, just tell me when to go. If you're more on the revelation side, you're less likely to have boxes. Now, here's the deal. If you're on the revelation side, you have no boxes. God is saying, I'm giving you the spirit of wisdom, so you'll get a couple boxes. Because you need to stop doing foolish and start doing spiritual. Because those are not always the same. People do foolish things in the name of God. I'm going to go to this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Have you thought about this at all? Nope, but I'm sure God wants me to do it. How are you sure? I just have this feeling. That doesn't happen a lot. That's happening to you a lot. Spirit of wisdom. Okay, spirit of wisdom. Get a couple boxes checked. I love watching some of you. God usually puts a spirit of revelation person together with a spirit of wisdom person. Marriages, projects, it doesn't matter. God usually throws the two of them together and watches them tangle. Because in the tangling, you get a much better answer. And the spirit of wisdom person's pushing, and the spirit of revelation person's pushing. pushing. God's saying, hey, I want you to have both. I want you to get both. But at the end, you're not going to get this because you figured it out. You're going to get this because I hit you with it so hard you you couldn't ignore it any longer. The practical application for this What has God already said? I share this. I shared it this week in the blog. I shared it with you lots of times before. It's a, it's my, probably my favorite thing Mark Twain ever said. It's not the things I don't understand in the Bible that worry me. It's the things I do understand. Many of us are looking for the will of God and never cracking the Bible. That is not a spirit of wisdom. If you don't, The Bible tells you it's a revelation of the will of God in written form. It's like the manual. Before you start building the car, read the manual. Maybe for some of us, before we get behind the wheel, we should read the manual. There's, a, there's some information God is pouring out. A revelation from God already given to us. Open it up, read it. It's in there. Figure it out. He's clear on a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Like, do you think that you should worship idols? Nope. Nope. If the spirit of revelation is saying, if you think it's the spirit of revelation, a different spirit, if you're over here saying, yeah, 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 I'm getting a stone copy of God and I'm going to bow down to that. Go back to Genesis or go back to Exodus. Read what happened the last time somebody tried to make an image to God. Not a cool outcome. Clear as day. I should steal from my neighbor. Nope. I should covet my neighbor's car, house, dog, cat, husband, wife, children. Nope. Very clear on lots of stuff. First check when you're trying to understand. So this is, think of this as tactics for a disciple. Tactics for a disciple. The tactics. Step one. Figure out what he's already said about the topic. Figure out what he's already talking about. And if it's still unclear, keep working. Keep moving. Move on. Have I listened to God in prayer? Note the word listened. Because for some of us, that's a shocking thing. It's a brand new idea. I talk during prayer. That's what I do. You know, that is probably the one time I am least talkative. When I am actively involved in a regular prayer life with God, I'm not talking when I'm praying with you somewhere, because then it's all verbal. But my best prayers, I'm quiet most of the time. Have you listened to God? Uh, I I put down here uh, uh, John Eldridge walking with God. He suggests this thing. Put a question you have for God on a pad of paper and keep it out in front of you. I have a question for you, God, and you put it there. It's in your Bible. It's there where you pray. It's there where you study. It's there where you have your, your, your regular devotional. You have that pad of paper and that question is on it. God, what do you want me to do about X? Write it out. Have it there in front of you. And then you come back to God each time and you say, I used to have no clarity on this, God. And the impression, maybe go read the word. Very often that's where I find it. Very often I have the question out there. I'm putting the question up, putting the question up, putting the question up. And God comes back from the Word and says, Here it is. I've been, it's i have been been there all the time. And I discover it right in the Word. Other times I get the strong impression from a voice that is so quiet, that it's so loud, that it's so strong, that it's so internal, that it cannot be me. It's the voice when I was sitting outside on the end of this little incomplete patio thing that was in the backyard, I think it was supposed to have an awning over it, but all that was left was the bolts to trip over. Sitting out there at the age of 17, at night, on a Friday, saying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You know I would like to go to business school. You know that's my plan. Businessmen can be followers of God. Most of them, most of the followers of God are not preachers, God. Like I'm informing you with stuff. And that strong, quiet, powerful whisper. I'm calling you to this. Are you listening? Have you looked in the Word to see what it says? And are you listening when you pray? The tactics of a disciple wishing to follow Jesus. Understand what he's already written, what he's already said. And understand the impression that he's trying to give to your heart. So what happened to these guys? These guys who jump up from the boat and go willy-nilly following after Jesus. Crazy fishermen. Too much lead in the fish. Mercury in the fish. Something made them hit a little crazy. So what happened to these guys? This is what the next verses say. And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. So here's what happened. These guys say, okay, we're in. I don't know what in means, but we're in. And he starts traveling around the lake they, they 're following him you know they're like they 're like Jesus groupies now, and they 're following him around, seeing what happens and they they walk into a synagogue and he begins to preach and he says things like they 've never heard before and something strangely touches them and and logic that wasn 't logic yesterday is now logic today, and pieces of the puzzle start to fit together they go And then somebody in the synagogue has a broken limb or they've been sick or they're outside the synagogue because they won't let them in because they're too poor, too broken, too sick. And Jesus goes by and He touches them and He speaks to them and He heals them and and, and limbs are mended and lives are transformed and health is restored and sight is restored and, and crazy wild things are happening. And the disciples are just standing in the background with big dumb grins on their faces going, this is so cool. I'm so glad we got to come. This is amazing. They're looking at each other like, did you see what He just did? And then when Jesus is walking along, like nothing happened, the disciples are going... (laughs) If they had Facebook only, think of the pictures. Think of all the people they would have tagged. Mom and Dad and Uncle Harry. The disciples of Jesus get in on the most amazing next few years because they said yes. It wasn't all common sense. It wasn't all box checking. Some of it was just, yeah, I know God is calling me to do this and I'm going. And they went. And they risked so much and they gained so much more phenomenal what these guys were first-hand witnesses to. So amazing that they felt they had to write it down for future generations. People are not going to believe this. We need to tell them the story. We need to write this down. These guys would wander off in different directions just to tell people what had happened to them. Just to tell them the story of what it was like to hang out with Jesus for a few years. And then to cap it all off, He goes and dies. And comes back to life. And he shows up to talk to them. He didn't go to to the temple. He didn't go to the priests. He didn't go to Caesar. He shows up alive and talks to these guys. And you know what their greatest qualification was? They said yes. So when was the last time you risked something for Jesus? When was the last time You knew what you were doing was risky. And you did it anyway. Because you knew beyond a shadow that Jesus was calling you to do it. When was the last time you risked something for Jesus? What was it that you risked? Did you risk embarrassment? Did you risk finance? Did you risk relationship? When was the last time you risked something for Jesus? What was it? How did it turn out? When I decided to be a preacher, not a businessman, I, 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 I thought my life was going to be limited by a lot of things as a result. The most amazing exciting path of life It's not the one you've invented in your head. It's the one where you follow Jesus. Oh, the places we'll go. Oh, the things that we'll do. Me and you. Just you. Not somebody who's better qualified or smarter. Not somebody who who has their halo already polished. Just you. What's next? What's he asking you to risk now? What's next? Oswald Chambers said the only explanation for the crazy life that Christians experience is the existence of God. The blessings, the coverings, the the things that shouldn't be that are, the only explanation for the life of a person who's real only qualification in saying yes is that there's a God. And He's not asking us to do this alone. He's inviting us to do it with Him. And that makes all the difference in the world. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, Lord, we are We are unqualified, and we know it, but you are more than enough. We all came in here with different questions on our mind, different concerns. Different things that we might risk. And so today, we say yes. We officially say yes. And we're all a little bit nervous about that. Because our faith in you bumps up against our faith in ourselves. we just pray that you would help us not to let go of your hand. To trust you as far as you want to take us. And as long as you want to carry us. And help us to be the first or the next in a succession of yeses. Jesus name. Amen. Where you go I'll go where you stay I'll stay where you go